it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and welcome to Stramash, the Scottish NFL podcast. This is episode 226. This is our sit down after free agency as we're picking apart all the pieces and making our judgments. That's what we do with opinions and judgments. Um, joining me to do this, we have my co-host Paul Mitchell. We've got Gordon McGuinness. We've got Jimmy Borthwick. Paul, it's been a, another eventful free agency period. Excited to get stuck in here. Yeah, it's been pretty good, Cameron. There's lots going on in the NFL. They know how to manipulate the market and keep things relevant, despite the fact we've had the NCAA basketball, Major League Baseball starting. The NFL remains such a big talking point and just, you know, so many deals being done and the amount of money that's gone out is quite dizzying. Indeed. Indeed it is. Um, Gordon, Jamie, we'll kick off with a bit of free agency chat. Uh, and actually, I've just said both your names, but I'm going to go straight back to Mr. Mitchell because the first piece to fall, not technically this formal free agency piece, but still a free agent that ended up in a new home. You've got a new car, Paul. Are you happy with it? Is it, is it, a, is it a sports car? Have you got yourself a Lambo? Have you got yourself something, you know, a bit more reliable, an, an Audi or something German-made? Um, or have you got um, a Hyundai? <laughs> Hey, one of the comfiest cars I ever hired in the States was a Hyundai. Thank you very much. So you, you can never tell. I no, cast I no aspersions. It's, no. it's obviously, there's no bad quarterbacks in the in the NFL. This isn't a dig at Hyundai. Just compared to the other two, it's perhaps not quite as glamorous. What the Saints have got is an upgrade. I don't think anybody can deny that. And if you get better at the key position, then you're in a better place. He's also likely going to be the best quarterback in the division, which will also help. Um, and it just gives them a chance to try and get some weapons in around them. Jamal Williams has also come in. Joanne Johnson's been re-signed. I think that's been pretty positive as well. They've tried to bulk up the defence as well, you know, pinching a Kansas starter, etc. So overall, I mean, I'm fairly happy with the, the work that's going on uh, in New Orleans. But yeah, car, car's an upgrade. I, I don't there's any doubt. Jameis is still in the building, which wouldn't have been my choice, uh, but he's still an upgrade. How significant an upgrade do you think he is for you? Like, is this, um, and I'm sticking with my car analogy here, is this fancy interior chrome lining or is this something a bit more substantial up front in the engine? Well, let's just say we're not going to need the RAC or the A as much as we have in the last two years. Like, he's much more reliable. I think he can do things. Dalton couldn't throw particularly deep. Winston was just prone to turnovers. I think Carr's better uh, than both of them as far as that's concerned. So, yeah, he might not be everybody's first choice. Uh, but again, I'll just stress, he's an upgrade on the car we had before, and we'll go with him. Jamie? Gordon, do you agree with Paul's sentiment here? Do we think that that's a right viewpoint to take on this? I I do not know that he is definitely an upgrade over what you got out of Andy Dalton last year. I I think I think he can throw deep more than Andy Dalton can. He's yeah, I, I think he is. Now, how how much he is is a good question, and you could debate, but I think your offense looks a little bit sparkier uh, with Derek Carley. Uh, uh, how important is throwing it deep when 
one of the other big moves they made was bringing back Michael Thomas, who's not going to be a deep threat. Chris Olave, I don't think, I'm not saying he's a bad downfield threat, but the way that roster's been set up the last couple of years does not feel like it needs to be a push down the field offense. Uh, Chris Olave's pretty good. I think he can go deep. It'll be interesting to see, you know, they, they usually bring in a wide receiver or two, you know, picking up the tail end of the draft. They might take a punt on somebody that, you know, is more of a downfield receiver. Uh, Brian Edwards has is, is come in. We'll see what we can get out of him. But uh, overall, I, I think it's a positive for New Orleans. And again, I'll, I'll also say what looks like at the moment a fairly weak division. Yeah, weak division. You're absolutely right. He's come in there as the, as the best quarterback in the division. Just It's such a low ceiling, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's enough to push them back up the NFC South, but how far can Derek Carr actually take them? You know, it's it's, it's it feels like a bridge. Is this a, a, a is bridge this... to nothing though? Because there's no, <laughs> there is nothing. There's nothing else there. There's, there's going to be nothing at the end of the Derek Carr era. That... <laughs> <laughs> give give him a chance. Give him a chance to fail, guys. Come on. <laughs> it's it's a bridge, but the actual start of the bridge. You're not sure how safe it's actually going to be. There doesn't appear to be a destination at the end of this bridge that you're moving to quarterback-wise. And, you know, the bridge isn't particularly high up. It's not lifting you up much. So I'll get one back on Gordon in a few minutes when we talk about another quarterback. I mean, Derek Derek Carr is only 31. He's the same age as Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, they don't necessarily... If if it works out for Derek Carr, they don't need to have a plan to move to another quarterback in the next couple of years. I I think it's... this is a better move for Derek Carr than it is for the Saints uh, overall because Derek Carr has gone from fourth of four to first of four when it comes to quarterback rankings in his own division. Um, and I can't believe I've just said that Derek Carr was behind Russell Wilson, but I I still think he is, even I though Wilson be, was a jobby last year. I would um, be stunned if he is the best quarterback in the NFC South this year. Uh, because of, like... Of those that are there right now, let's not take into effect anyone that's about to take out the draft. But of those that are there right uh, now, so, so well, I mean, I mean, you have to take into consideration Carolina with someone going. But I, I, I don't necessarily think that a, a rookie is going to be better than than anyone there. But the odds, I just, I, I think the odds that either Desmond Ritter, Baker, or whoever the Panthers take number one overall are better than. A player who's got worse over the last three seasons. It's not just that he's 31. He's 31 and he's decreased production-wise over those years. So, so there's two points to make here. One, I think this could be the first burger bet of the season between Gordon and I, whether Derek Carr is going to be the best. But I also I, I reject any suggestions that the Saints are going to plan for the long term. They have never done that before. And nor will they do it again. It's just not the way the Saints work. It, it just doesn't. I, I, you know, you talk about a bridge, yeah. Would I like to see more of a plan in place? Yeah. But the Saints have never worked like that. They just don't seem to operate like that. Um, in, in many ways, they flirt with the salary cap too much. They renegotiate contracts almost more than anybody else and push stuff down the line. It just seems to be that's how it is in New Orleans. I don't think they're, they're particularly great planners. Jimmy Garoppolo then, the next quarterback really off note to move on, um, has gone from San Francisco to Las Vegas. 
the Raiders replace Carr with Garoppolo. Um, there's that sort of faint theme of expatriates in Las Vegas again. But do we think this is a great move for Jimmy? Do we think this is a great move for the Raiders? I, I'd be interested in what the guys think. I mean, the Raiders just seem to be turfing talent out the door and trying to turn the roster over. It's um, the same. It's the same move that the Saints have made. Like, yeah, yeah. No, what, I'm not. What's your goal? I'm not, so, like, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying that of a dig at the Saints. I'm saying this in yeah. terms of like, is this a good move? Is this? It's it's a move. Like, okay, like what? What? So that so for the Saints, uh, you're sealing with. Car is probably you win the division, you trip up and you land in the divisional round, right? They're probably not going to a conference championship game. The Raiders with Jimmy Garoppolo, because the AFC is a better conference, maybe you fall into the seventh seed. And that, that like that's what this is. They're picking seventh overall. Would you not rather take that and move up? Look at what Carolina did to move up to number one. You don't even need to move up to three and take whoever out of Bryce Young. That you like. I mean, they still might. They still might take Levis at seven or something like that. But I, I, think I was just going to say they've not brought Jimmy in on a three-year contract and given them the money that they're giving them to bring in someone that they're going to start right away. There's uh, no way the, they're giving the them contract is not that prohibitive. I mean, they've got a one-year potential out, which would cost them at most twenty-four million dollars, right? Which is which is fine. You know, you compare that to Carr, who's on the three-year deal. So yeah, that one-year get out is perhaps the thing. But I I feel like Jimmy would have got some assurances, even himself, that he's not just gonna he's not going out of the frying pan into a fire, where he's moving from one place where he's sitting behind a rookie to another place where he's going to just sit behind another rookie again. Um, I mean, the assurances he's got are the fact that he's guaranteed to make at least $33 million yes. out of this. Yes, yes. Pretty good guarantee. Like, it is a pretty good guarantee, to be fair. If, if I'm 32 and I'm not certain that I'm going to be a starter in the NFL beyond this season, I'd take, I'd take $33 million. I'd be all right with that. I'd be interested to know who else was in for him. Given, but... given how well Brock Purdy did when he, when he came in for Jimmy last year, does it possibly suggest that Garoppolo's production was down to the scheme that he was in and not any actual latent ability? I, I think it's I think it's a very fair Valid. yeah, absolutely. And I think the 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 Brock Party thing is still a little bit of a mystery to me. Like for a player to come in and have that run and, you know, we just don't know what would have happened in that game against the Eagles. The Eagles played very well, um, and we didn't. But that disruption right at the start of the game just had such an impact. Um, I will be interested to see what happens when Brock, Brock Purdy comes back. I mean, we have to hope he comes back and is able to play at the same level. You know, there's no guarantees he'll fully recover from an injury like that. Um, I think what it has shown, though, is that uh, a quarterback with a reasonable level of talent can be a success. Not any quarterback, because Nick Mullins and the other Muppet, whose name I've just tried to eliminate from my head, I can't even remember him now. Oh, what was his name? What was that Johnson? other? No, the other guy that played with Nick Mullins. Um, anyway, doesn't matter. He was irrelevant. Um, but they they came in and they stank the place up. Like they 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 we snuck the odd game here and there. But Jimmy was consistent under Kyle. Brock 
had a clean enough mechanics to him, a smart enough brain that he wasn't flinging it around and making stupid mistakes. I think what leads to success in a Shanahan scheme is a quarterback that doesn't take unnecessary risks and doesn't lob the ball around all over the place. Um, Stick to the plan. We'll give you the options. And those options will allow you to play your game in a way that's fairly clinical and you can work your way down the field. So for me, the the conversation in San Francisco is an interesting one because obviously we've picked up Sam Darnold, who I think is there as QB3 um, behind Lance, who is probably behind Purdy at the moment. Um, but I'm not sure Purdy will be fit. So it'll be interesting to see if Lance or... Well, the, news, the news today was that uh, Lance and Darnold will split first team reps 50-50. Which I think is fair because we've just not seen enough off Lance yet. No, like so that, that's that's why it should be all Lance though. Yeah, like, yeah. You should you should probably be looking at this and saying, okay, in in the in the possibilities in front of us here, there is a chance that Lance is better than Purdy. Like you you've seen enough out of Sam Darnold to know, okay, like realistically. He might, like, He's not even, the guy. Even in that offense, the the interesting thing I did see as a counter to that that I thought was quite interesting was if Shanahan thinks that that is a team capable of going to the NFC Championship game again, which in the NFC he probably should, then Sam Darnold going two and two if Purdy misses the first four games is probably all right, and because the range you have with Trey Lance is pretty wide, maybe. You know, you want to make sure that if if Darnold outperforms him in camp, that he can be the starter there, so that you don't get Trey Lance and he struggles and you wind up zero and four before Purdy comes back. I don't. I mean, I'm struggling to see that through a training camp and preseason that Trey Lance is going to be worse than Sam Darnold. But stranger things have happened. Uh, yeah, I concur, and I wonder whether it's just one of those challenges as well to Sam. Whether that's just a bit of gamesmanship around, you know, coming in, but you're all playing for the number one job. Um, let see what Sam Darnold can do under a coach that can get the the best out of quarterbacks. Maybe he can get the best out of Sam Darnold, the player that everyone thought he might have been. Probably I, not, I'm, but just you know. just as a just as a side note, if you ever refer to your team's third string quarterback by his first name on this podcast again, I'm gonna have to just order <laughs> the podcast to laugh at you. So Sam. What do you think? What I think he's done for Sam? You're not like it, he's a guy who might not even be on your roster by the end of August, let alone let alone a guy you're on first name basis with. I it's, mean, it's, Sam, go way Sammy back. Donald. It's fine. It's the S star. <laughs> I get. Don't you, I get it. I get it. If it's like a starting quarterback and it's a player you talk about a lot, a third string quarterback you don't refer to by their first name. <laughs> You've just said that he's playing for the number one job. How's he a third stringer? You can't give me that and then take it away. You, you, you put him, you call, you put you him on the pedestal. You put him on the pedestal. But I you, went with it. You call you called him a third stringer and then called him Sam. Me and Sam. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> Sam might be our guy. Anyway, we'll move on to some of the other quarterback moves. Uh, anything really take your note. Let's recap. Uh, Ty, uh, Taylor Heineke has ended up at Atlanta on a two-year deal. Andy Dalton stays in the division, goes to Carolina. Um, beyond that, there's not really enough. Marcus Mariota is the new backup in Philadelphia. Um, but I thought the Geno Smith deal was good by the Seahawks. It's not, it, it doesn't prevent them from taking a quarterback at five. Um, like it, it, there's comfortable team outs there. It's not, it's not an insane amount of money. It's what like the cap hits are. 10, 33, uh, 31 and 
Like given how he played last year, that's not bad value. And if he if that turns out to be a one year wonder, then you can get out of it pretty easily. Yeah, I, th- I think with Geno Smith, I think he had to be expecting Seattle to take another quarterback and try and find what their future might be. But he's also in the, the pole position that he's getting paid and he's going to start. So I think that he, it'd be interesting to see how much discussions they had with him about what their plans were. But I, I just think it's a great deal for both. It's unusual because it's a great deal for the team and for the player. Let's move into the running back conversation then. A couple of, there's not there wasn't really a lot up for grabs anyway. Um Miles Sanders moving from the Eagles to Carolina on a four-year deal. Uh David Montgomery going staying in the division, but going from the Bears to the Lions. Uh Jamal Williams comes out of the Lions and goes to New Orleans. Um let's start there. Paul, Jamal Williams, what do you think he's being brought in to do? Are you quite happy with that pickup? I think he's been brought in to cover <laughs> Kamara being suspended. Um, you know, that, that, that's the basic thing. I think they needed an experienced back to come in um, because Kamara will get binned for a while. I don't think there's much doubt about that. Um, I don't think it's cost the Saints too much. I think, you, you know, the Lions just went and got Montgomery and, and so it goes. I don't think it was a it's a wonderful market for for running backs. I think he's serviceable for the Saints. And I think most teams just want a serviceable running back. There are very few stars, I think, at that position. You know, you've obviously got Barkley, McCaffrey, etc. But I think as long as you've got somebody that's serviceable, um, that's what you need if you're a decent team. He's also, he's good fun. Like, he's one of the few running backs that I think you can, like, not, not from an on-the-field perspective, but, like, he adds a bit extra because he's good fun. You'll talk yeah. about anime on the sideline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's in your leaves he's gone to the right place for a little bit of fun um, in general it's not the market is not good news for guys who are coming out the contract years or, or maybe on the franchise tag um, because it's depressing uh, it's um, I don't think we're going to be seeing any more 14, 15, 16 million a year Contracts handed out. Austin Eckler as well, who's trying to get out to try and find money like that. Can't see it happening. It's terrible news for Barkley, who's who's offer in the bye week um, has now been taken off the table, and they're going to be negotiating from scratch with him. He's sitting on the. Is the tag this year ten point one? We're running yep. back ten point yeah. one. Him and him and Jacobs are on that. Him and Jacobs, it's not good news for them because they're yeah. going to struggle to get much more than that now. Well, I think that was the thing that struck me the most. David Montgomery, I feel, has had pretty good value and output in a poor Bears team, but his contract's really low. Um, you know, was it averaging six million a year? Mm-hmm. I was that's, surprised at that. That's, that's not that low at running. At no, no, it's not really. It's not really big. Like, I feel, he's dual threat, right? He's not. He's not an exceptional generational one of the kind. He's of also he's probably not going to be their starter. Like Swift will be the starter there. So yeah, but six million a year is like top twenty for running backs. I I would definitely have him in my top twenty running backs in the league. Like I I, I honestly think in the NFL today there's maybe a top five, and then there's just a bunch of guys. Yeah. 
Well, wait, does Miles Sanders come into your top five? No, I'm assuming no, not. No. Six, just slightly more, 6.25 million a year average for him over four years. Um, Carolina pick up a piece. Uh, it felt like that Carolina had obviously uh, a decent run game, even after McCaffrey left, but uh, Dante Foreman's away. He's now gone to Chicago. Um, so it's... Yeah. I actually love that if you like when you talk about talk about all those moves out loud, you realize that a bunch of teams have just swapped and have average <laughs> running backs and just went like hey, you, you take him, it's fine. It's, yeah, just we'll, rotate. We'll take this guy from over here, he'll do the same job. Yeah, totally. Uh James Robinson's the one that I'm partially interested in going to the Patriots because it felt like through Harris and Stevenson, they had a pretty good running back room. I don't think either of them have left. Harris has. Harris oh, has, has gone he? to the Bills. The Bills? Ah, yeah, yes, he has. You're right. You're right. You're right. And actually, that's a great. I think he's a great pickup for the Bills. Um, I'd forgotten about that at the time. I remember thinking, "Ooh, he's a good pickup," because the one thing that the Bills lacked was that bigger back. And I feel that Damian Harris is a bit bigger. Um, Singletary was just sometimes a bit lightweight, uh, and it gives them a really output. But I'm still really interested. Uh, and James Robinson, you know, he was very productive at Jacksonville. Uh, he, he went just, to he the Jets and just Jets, didn't. Like, nah, he didn't. Just really didn't do anything. So new home for him. You know, two million a year for two years for James Robinson feels like could could be a steal. Could be a steal. But um, yeah, like you say, a bunch of guys moving around, swapping swapping places. You happy to keep Justice Hill though? He's like a third string running back. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Justice. 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 Third, yeah. Third string on. running third string running back plays special teams. No, no, I'm just calling him by his first name because he's third All right. string. I was gonna say I thought I'd mispronounced again. I was like, he's, oh, damn it, I'm trying my best this week. He's uh he's fine. I think he's a perfectly good running back. They didn't spend a lot of money on him. So yeah, it's fine. Jamie, happy to keep Matt Breeder. Oh yes, that's I mean it's the big move, wasn't it? <laughs> Massive, massive. I mean, massive. if Barkley refuses to play, if Barkley just decides he's going to park his arse for the year, then you it, it know. would not. It would not be recommended. If you're if you're Barkley or Josh Jacobs, my advice would be sign it and take your ten million now because that market might be even less next year. <laughs> um, there's there's a few interesting names still available on this one, though. Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, probably the three that are worth having a conversation about. Uh, there's other players that you could pick up and play and all that kind of jazz, but really they're the ones that are interesting. Um, I think Elliot's talking potentially about the Eagles and the Bengals. He is, but yeah, they're not. But- <laughs> I, think that, I think that's the key difference. I think the Jets is the other one. And I think that tells you all you need to know, Cameron, because the fact he's talking about these teams and they are not talking about him. He is really struggling. He may end up back in Dallas, uh, although his jersey number has been taken. So I don't think he'd be too thrilled about that. Um, if, if he does go back, uh, is it Steve Gilmore or somebody's taken his jersey? Something like that. But no, I, I think he, he's going to struggle. He, he may have to wait till somebody else gets hurt along the way before he gets back. And Leonard Finette's another one that. Just his production was pretty good. He's he's a different type of back. Again, he's tall, powerful runner. 
But there's a place for a back like that because there's not a huge amount of them. Um, 28 now, so perhaps his last chance at a decent contract. To your point earlier as well, I think for those Jacobs and Barclays, the money that Elliot Fournette Hunt get is going to further show us which way this is trending. Um, you know, Kareem Hunt has always produced when he's been asked to, obviously very much behind Chubb. Uh, he's kept himself clean since his off-the-field incidents. I was about to say, no, he hasn't. I since thought you were going to go for the full career. Off- no, no, no. Since the, since the incident. Um, but, yeah, he'll land somewhere. Someone will give him a decent contract, I'm sure, but it might not be massive. Um, I'll, I'll be very surprised if any of those guys break six million a year. Fine. We'll come back and revisit that once it's been done and dusted. Okay, uh, let's cover the last well actually we'll do a brief bit on tight ends as well uh wide receivers actually there's nothing that exciting here uh the interesting thing on wide receivers for me was that it was a completely different market from a year ago like christian kirk got was like 16 million a year last year and then jacoby myers got 11 million a year this year. Like that's when I saw that. So I, I kind of assumed that the Ravens would be nowhere near a free agent wide receiver because I thought he would probably be 15, 16 million a year. And I was like, you can't justify that. 11 million a year for him, 8 million a year, eight and a half for Juju. Like it's not, it's not bad value. There's, there, there was some pretty decent value moves in there. It just wasn't the same, wasn't the same market as previous years. Yeah, and there's not there's not much left to pick up either. There's really not a lot of exciting players uh, still available. Kenny Galladay, if you want to take the risk, Odell's the Odell's the yeah, of course Odell is the one. But Shark is Shark still available? No, he's Uh, gone to Carolina. Carolina, Um, because he 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 was the other one that I was kind of looking at, thinking I thought he'd be a good pickup for somebody. Yeah, obviously Carolina got good deep threat, and he's pretty big as well. But Michael Hardman goes to the Jets. Alan Lazard goes to the Jets. It feels like the Jets have got some weapons. They might be gearing up to go and get a quarterback at some point. Uh, I wonder if that might happen. Um, yeah. Another weapon. That's another weapon. No, before we're all bored to death and Chris <laughs> Gellerton sitting here trying to come up with another podcast about Aaron Buddy Rogers. Anyway. Um, it does seem wild though to me and I just I don't know I get the point about running back so you can stick anyone in there but the fact that Jacoby Myers is on nearly double the money that David Montgomery's on just doesn't compute in my head like Jacoby Myers is all right, but I don't know that I'm spending double what I would be spending on David Montgomery so it's all relative though like 11 million a year for uh, receiver is not in the top 20 Right. Yeah, I suppose. Fine. There you go, kids. Don't be a running back. Be a wide receiver. Um, The couple of ones on tight end then. So Dalton Schultz backed himself and backed himself into Houston. Um, Josh Oliver. Josh Oliver seems to have got a massive contract. He did really well for himself. But that was (laughs) like, so, so that was on like the first day of free agency, I think it was. Yeah. Um, And, like if you look at it and compare it to some of the other signings that came afterwards, it was 
very, very generous. And he, he, he came on a, a lot as a player last year. But seven million a year when Robert Tunyon gets one year less than three million. Irv Smith, I think, got one year pretty reasonable um, amount of money. Like uh, Mike Gesicki got four and a half million. It's a lot of money to give to give Josh Oliver. It is a lot of money to give Josh Oliver, but um, uh, do you know what? Fair play to him. Um, We'll not spend too much time on that, but on the other side of the ball, defensively, obviously, Javon Hargrave got the biggest contract moving from the Eagles to San Francisco. Um, An interesting move there, I think. It's a lot of money for a 30-year-old player, but we know that his position is one of value. Um, He's disruptive. Uh, I'm quite pleased with that pickup, I think. It is a lot of money to give him, but I think you know he, he is a good player. Tony Brewerton, of course, our good friend from Loch Lomond Whiskies, uh, reached out, Eagles fan. He was raging that uh, he had lost Hargrave. So, you know, that's a positive sign, so we'll take that. Um, Chicago then gave Tremaine Edmonds a bucket of cash. And again, we'll come back to this, because obviously you picked up Roquan Smith. They've then given similar sort of money to Edmonds, right, that Smith was after? Yeah, so their their free agency at linebacker was weird. So you take it into consideration, they decide, right, we're not. We're, we, and I think also, I think the negotiations had broken down, which is part of what happened there. So they decide, we're not going to pay Roquan. Roquan gets $20 million a year. The first move they then made was TJ Edwards for $6.5 million a year. You're like, okay, he was pretty good for the Eagles. Ooh. And if you're going to say, we're going to take a guy that's a third of the cost of Roquan Smith... I, I understand what you're doing there. That that makes sense. And then the next day, the Tremaine Edmonds deal happens, and you're like, oh, no, you're giving 18 million a year to him. Okay. I, I now less understand what it is that you were actually trying to do there, but fair enough. I will say Edmonds is coming off his best season in the NFL, and he's not even 25 yet. So I think he's 25 just before the season begins. So, you know, there, yeah. there's potential upside there. It just, I, I don't know that you necessarily... If you yeah. decided you were spending that amount of linebacker, I don't know why you've then spent that amount of linebacker. It's not a bad pickup at all. It's just weird with the optics of what's going on. The only thing I can think of Smith is just reached the point where he's like, I'm done here. I am done. I'm moving on. Simple as. That is yep. the only thing that makes any sense, as you say. Jesse Bates going to the Falcons, though. The Falcons have really picked up a couple of pieces on the defensive side of the ball. Paid a lot of money. Um, obviously, they got Caden Ellis from New Orleans. They also got David Onyemata from uh, New Orleans. Lots of money to those two. Paul, are they big losses, do you think, to your team? Not really, to, to be perfectly honest. I think they're serviceable, but I don't think... So I think I think we touched on this in the last podcast. What you're seeing is players who are watched by other coaches who've seen them play against them and think they can add value. Uh, and sometimes, it, as in any career, sometimes you've got to leave a company to get more money because you might, you know, they want you. Your existing team might think, yeah, it's okay, but if you disappear, that's fine. So I think they've just taken the the commercial opportunity that's been presented to them. I just to jump back to the, the 49ers. The 49ers, yeah, I think have paid a lot of money, but they're a team on the verge of a Super Bowl appearance. So I think that's why they've they've paid that amount of money. Um, if San Francisco were were not that contract, would have got nowhere near that amount. Yeah, I, I I think he was going to make that amount of money either way. I think he was always going to be the the highest paid guy. I just, but, but with a team that's got a Super Bowl threat. Yeah, I mean the the counterpoint to that though is like 
did the 49ers need to invest 20 million or however much it is a year at, on the interior of the defensive line? Maybe. I mean, yeah, that money could have gone into you know, interior offensive line. And the offensive line needs a lot of attention with um, McGlinchey going. Um, for me, it's the secondary remains an area of weakness. And we've not addressed it again. I just, I don't know. Like, Kyle Shanahan hates cornerbacks. Um, <laughs> we're just quite happy to take random guys from the fourth round, plug them in and uh, basically let them get burned until they figure it out. And by that point, we're we're up against it. So, um, you know, it's not... He's not alone talent, in like, he's not alone in thinking that, Cameron. There's quite a few teams that, that seem to be like that quite cavalier um yeah. in the way they approach these things. And again, is does that reflect the, the position? Do they think it's less skillful? Do they think there are more people available? I d I don't know. I'm I'm always slightly more uncomfortable. Like, you know, we do spend a lot of time talking about, you know, the lines and the linebackers and things, but you know, the, the, to have a good safety in a good corner could, to me, make all all the difference in the world. Um, and I think some teams are just a little bit cavalier about it. Is there any other um, free agents that we need to discuss? The only other one that I want to mention was Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. So he's, and it's a theme for a few players in free agency, he overplayed his hand a wee bit as well. So there was chat him and the Eagles were close to a deal to bring him back. And then I think he wanted more. So the Eagles then backed out. And that, I think that was tied to the whole Darius Slay. He's, he's going to be released. Oh, actually, no, he's not going to be released. Uh, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson then got one year, six and a half million from the Lions. Probably overplayed his hand just a wee touch. <laughs> yeah, ju- just a little. And also going from... An exceptionally good team. To, to be fair, the Lions have got got N- promise. NFC, NFC North favourites. Yeah, well, they've, they've certainly got promise. There's there's no doubt. Let's talk about the the elephant in the room. Uh, I've just had a tweet from Lamar Jackson, obviously thinking that we're just about to talk about him. That's what he tends to do, um, dropping a tweet on his head coach and uh, go <laughs> just as he was about to be interviewed. Um, Gordon, where 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 are Baltimore and Lamar Jackson as you see it? Uh, I am relatively confident that he will be there week one in Baltimore and he'll sign a long-term deal. I think the the trade stuff this week was is him trying to play his hand and him trying to... The tough thing for Lamar is that no one's come forward and made an offer to him. Um, but by and large, I think the most likely reason for that is that teams aren't stupid and they know that the Ravens are probably going to match it. So which point all you're doing is doing the negotiating for someone else. Mm-hmm. So Lamar's trying to get people to, I, I, I don't think, I, I don't think despite what he said, I don't think Lamar actively wants out of Baltimore. I think he wants to get his contract somewhere and he doesn't have an agent. So someone's probably given him this advice of like, put in a trade request, then announce you're getting this, the, the shithousery of announcing the trade request by tweet as John Harbaugh sat down to talk to the media, was phenomenal. And I think he deserves a ton of credit for that because that was elite-level shithousery to do that. But no one, no one's making an offer. Um, so the most likely thing is eventually him and the Ravens figure out. 
So how does John Harbour respond to that? I mean, he, he was he sort of the fixed grin almost as, as he batted away the question. Uh, I'm not sure that many head coaches would like to be sideswiped like that. No, but Harbour handled it really well. He just said that, you know, they, they still expect Lamar to be here. They, he still loves Lamar, all that stuff. He, he knows how to talk about players in the media. So they'll, they'll handle it that way. I'm sure they'll tell him offline that they would appreciate not that. But they'll also, they're also not stupid. They know it's part of the negotiation process. They fall into, like, the certain quarterbacks that just fall into this sort of crevice, which is they know that they're extremely hard to replace, but that they're not completely irreplaceable. And those are the negotiations that always get nasty. Mm-hmm. And both sides know that there's a lot of nonsense to be had, but both sides will be really, really happy if they get it done. Yeah. And also it's like, so the reason why, you know, and us not making millions of dollars a year would scoff at the idea of this, but the negotiation and Lamar, and eventually if he's not getting signed, there'll be a holdout through training camp, all that stuff, is because Lamar doesn't want to be the one that blinks first because it could cost him $2 million a year. And the Ravens don't want to be the one that blinks first because it could cost him $5 million a year. So... Like for salary cap purposes, and also just for player, you want your money purposes. You know, you you, you kind of need to do that. Where where I will say where both, and I I don't I think there's a lot of like who's to blame for this scenario. There's probably a little bit of both, but the Ravens made a mistake not not pushing to get the deal done earlier. Like Josh Allen's making forty three million dollars a year you could have probably given Lamar 44 and it would have been fine right around the time that deal got done. You left it until the point whereby it was like, okay, we're going to have to franchise tag him. On the flip side of that, Lamar Jackson's career earnings after this season will be something like 50, 50 50-something million, I think. And Josh Allen's career earnings are in the hundreds of millions because Josh Allen signed his deal faster. That There is value in... And Lamar, if, if Lamar plays this season on the franchise tag... He makes $31 million a year, which is less than some of the guys who just signed as free agents, like Garoppolo. Like it's in that Garoppolo, Geno Smith car range. Lamar Jackson's a better quarterback than all those guys. So if he if he plays for $31 million this year, it's the Ravens that are getting a good deal there. Is the, 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 the guaranteed money is is a huge sticking point, mm-hmm. isn't it? And obviously the 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 deal that Cleveland gave to Deshaun Watson has kind of moved the dial there and that's that has changed the way that Lamar is approaching the, these negotiations and it's going to change the way quite a lot of quarterbacks approach these negotiations. The, the other thing with that I think is quite stupid is that so the owners apparently hate it and the owners don't want fully guaranteed contracts yeah. but most contracts are relatively fully guaranteed for injury at least, like 80 to 90% of them are fully guaranteed. So supposedly the sticking point for owners is that if you give out a fully guaranteed contract, you have to put that money into a pot with the NFL. The NFL has it in their power to go, we could probably change that rule and just say, we'll fine you five first round draft picks if you ever don't fully pay that money into this pot. And then that way the NFL owners could continue to pay them as they pay them. The contract could be fully guaranteed, but they don't have to take $250 million and stick it in a pot there and then. 
Yeah, it just gets a little bit messy by this point. I think you're right that I, I think I'm surprised. That looking from the outside, I'm surprised that they haven't got a deal done an awful lot sooner I, for both I, parties. I'll I'll also say uh, the one part of this which has been pretty unsavoury to see is so the NFL owners collectively, and I don't, collusion's probably a strong word. It's, there's probably it's probably collusion with a soft C. Um, is what's happening. The the NFL and their like internal within the teams and stuff media push for no no we're not interested in Lamar Jackson. It's not. It doesn't look good, especially some of the other undertones that there were about Jackson coming into the league. A lot of the um, kind of things that have been said about him not really being a quarterback, all those things. Like if you go through the teams at the top of the draft this year whether or not they should or shouldn't be interested in trading for Lamar Jackson. The Panthers, no, because you've moved all the way up to one, so you're going to get your quarterback in a rookie deal. Fine. Texans, you're going to get your quarterback in a rookie deal. Okay, fine. Once you get to the Colts at four, and it's like, okay, we're getting at least the third best, maybe the fourth best quarterback in this draft class. Okay, it's on a rookie deal, maybe. And then you get to, so the Seahawks are picking fifth and the Lions are picking sixth, but it's not that pick they would give up. It's the later picks they would give up. Both of those teams are in a not great conference. And both of them, especially the Lions, if you look at the the Lions in that division, if they went and signed Lamar Jackson and they had to give up pick 18 this year and a pick that's probably in the 20s next year if Lamar Jackson plays for them, they're probably a Super Bowl contender right away. So... But you're going to go into the season with Jared Goff as your starting quarterback. Like, oh, okay, let's see how Jared, that works out. Jared Goff's made more Super Bowls than Lamar Jackson has today. Just going to add that in there. Just He's not going to win one. <laughs> if, if Jared Goff wins a uh, Super Bowl as a starting quarterback in his NFL career, I will buy you 10 burgers, Cameron. This is not a burger bet that you need to give in back in return. It won't happen. <laughs> buy you 10. The only thing is you have to eat them all at once. That's fine. <laughs> my, my money's on Cameron. Just just to finish that one off though, Gordon, the point being, I mean, I was going to actually ask you why, why the Lions don't go for him, but surely all the Lions are doing is unsettling Jared Goff. I mean, my point to that would be so. Like, yeah, but yeah, but if if, that, if that's the guy you're expecting to lead your team... But it, but so it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be. Though. Like, no, no. The, Lions, the Lions should be either... Signing Lamar Jackson or taking a quarterback at six. Do they do they not need to get something done about golf though? Like the to cut him is such an expensive move because his contract is so high that it's perhaps knackering their short term opportunities where maybe they've got other guys on their kind of rookie deals that they're going to have to pay if they want to get the longevity. Because um, I feel like the Lions are more than just a good quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. I still feel like there's bits and pieces there. That I mean, offensive the, line's the, not in, brilliant. In the, in the NFC, are they? I mean, so if the if the Lions cut Jared Goff and had the post-June 1st designation, they would take a $10 million hit in dead money this year and $5 million next year. That's not Okay, that's, that's not terrible. No, it's not terrible. Um, just, like, and, and this is not... Jared Goff, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo—they're all like okay, fine. They're they're fine quarterbacks, but the the Lions—if the Lions are as good as they think they can be, 
it makes very little sense for them to not come out of this draft without a long-term or potential long-term answer at quarterback. Be that taking one at six or trading for Lamar Jackson. Because you only have to give up 18. Then you can still use six. You can trade down. You can do whatever you want with it. But if the Lions are as good as they think they're going to be, they're not going to pick as high as six next year. They're only picking that high because it's the Rams pick. Yeah. I, I think that the Lions is probably the most logical landing spot. Atlanta um, as well. Atlanta's a, a utterly bizarre... They were very in on Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Um, like and they've not seen a, anything from Ritter to be able to say, no. oh no, now we're all they, in on this guy. They're also, their offensive line, they they paid, uh, they brought back McGarry and they made Lindstrom either the highest or the second highest paid guard in NFL history. Like they ran the ball a lot last year. Like they're, they're a team perfectly set up for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. They're in a division that's not good, a conference that's not good. Like, Oh yeah, Lamar Jackson to Falcons, their top contender there. Yeah, like I, again, I don't know they'd go and win a Super Bowl, but I'm pretty certain yeah. they're winning the NFC South. Yeah, and the other thing is, if if the Falcons were to flirt with Lamar Jackson, you're not really pissing off any top talent if he if he stays at the Ravens. No, which is which is the point I make about the Lions. The the thing is, whether you like Jared Goff or not, he is the guy that they're expecting to lead them. Uh, so so, but this this is why though, because there's a two step process. If I'm the Lions, the two step process is that I try and sign Lamar Jackson. The Ravens have two weeks to match the deal, so I know, and I then head into the draft and I do one of two things. I'm either very confident that a quarterback falls to six, and I think it's pretty likely, unless someone jumps up to three. Or from six to three, I probably don't need to give up 18 to, to go and make that move. So the Lions have two swings at going and getting a non-Jared Goff quarterback, which yeah. sh- surely common sense tells us if your goal is to win a Super Bowl, Jared Goff probably isn't the guy. And that's not, uh, this This has now been me hating on Jared Goff for a good 10 minutes here. <laughs> top, top 20 quarterback in the NFL, I'm sure. That's that's fine. But, you know, if you if you have an opportunity to go and try and win a Super Bowl, you're probably not aiming for a top 10, 20 quarterback. He, Jared Goff had a very good year last year. A very good year. It was fine. You know, it was a very good, if, if most, uh, at the lines, especially. Very, very good 4, feels 000, like a stretch. 4,400 yards, 29 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and 99.3 rating is a good season. Uh, it's, a, it's a very good season. Um, like, that's what Jameis Winston could be if he just controlled himself. Um <laughs> But he, but he isn't, and he doesn't. So, oh, you're so famous. <laughs> yeah, control you. So that that's it. Just, just those magic words. Those magic also, words. And the other the other thing though that I think's pretty stupid is there's been so the kind of chat that appears to be coming out is that the reason why teams aren't interested, and I I'm going to go back to my point. The reason why teams aren't interested is because I I think they understand they're probably just negotiating for the Ravens, um, so they don't really see it and think it's worthwhile. But there's been all this chat of like, oh, they're not interested in that style of quarterback because it leads to injuries, et cetera, et cetera. You know, he's missed time the last two seasons. And he's missed time the last two seasons, that's fine. But neither injury were really caused by him being a running quarterback. And the Philadelphia Eagles just went to the Super Bowl with a running quarterback. So like, I, I just, I would I would prefer if we got some honesty instead of, oh, we we don't think he's a quarterback when in 2019 he led the NFL in touchdown passes, broke the single season record for rushing yards by a quarterback and was a unanimous MVP. Like pretending that's not a good quarterback is just a little bit silly. 
He's not he's not Patrick Mahomes, and I'm quite all right with that. Like, let's not let's not talk shite. <laughs> that is sorry. That is absolutely against the efforts of this podcast, and you oh, no, know no, that. Quite no, no, well. no, 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 no. I'm not talking about you. You're Charles, right, okay, fine. Charles isn't on this, so this is a relatively measured panel, which is probably why it's not going to be seen seen as that good an episode. Uh, I'm talking about I'm talking about the NFL. I'm talking about the NFL media. Right. Okay. Yes. Which te- yeah, which technically, I, I'm technically I'm part of. So I also am a shite bag. I so where I come down on that one as well. I think I come down on the fact that I think that there's two sides to the media here. There's the people that are down on them, and they're too down on them. And then there's a side that are almost too up on them. There's a side that's saying, you know, 31 teams should want Lamar Jackson. The only team that shouldn't want him is the Chiefs. And I'm like, oh, I don't agree with that either. No, um, but it's, I mean, but the actual number is probably like 20. Yes. 20 teams, It's an he's an upgrade for, but it's not going to work for the 20 teams because of other things that they need to do. So, you know, it's just not as simple as that. So there's a little bit of, as is with everything these days, one going too far one way, one going too far the other. And somewhere in the middle, there's the actual right the real answer to these things. So, yeah. But anyway. Speaking of trades, though, uh, we, I don't think we've had a podcast since we've had all the massive trades taking place, have we? Like, have we spoken about the P- Panthers and the Bears swap? Mm, I honestly don't know. I think it happened the day after. I think it happened shortly after as, as well. So if we go back to that then, um, I mean, God, this is old news now, but we should touch on it. Like, simply, who do we think won the trade? Because that's what everyone talks about, right? So just as a reminder, the Panthers get the number one pick. The Chicago Bears get the ninth pick in this year's draft, uh, a second round pick in this year's draft, a first round pick in next year's draft, and a second round pick in the 25, and they get DJ Moore. Yes, the Bears. I, I, it's not it's not awful by the Panthers because they need to go and find a quarterback. Um. The only negative for the Panthers is you probably could have gone to three instead or less. But or or you could have gone and signed Lamar Jackson. Yeah, no, instead, you've given, instead you've given up an awful lot of picks to move up and you've had to give up your wide receiver. It's a little bit hindsighty because you don't know if Lamar Jackson's going to sort out his contract at that point. Like yes, you, you go for what you can get and you know what you've got control over. But but you could have done that and then made the trade up if it failed. It's mm. uh what where I'll say for the Bears, I really like it is is in particular getting DJ Moore because so the Bears were sitting at number one overall, and there was a case to be made that they should have still taken a quarterback because you don't know what you have in Justin Fields. The other option you have when you don't know what you have in your quarterback at this point in time is you surround him with talent and you then figure it out next year. And if Justin Fields is bad next year, the Bears probably pick in the top five and they'll have the Panthers pick, which is a team that's going to be quarterbacked by a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. They, they, if, if Justin Fields isn't good, they could finish up with two top 10 picks next year in a draft class that has Caleb Williams and Drake May, who everyone loves already which I know is the trendy thing every year at this time. Everyone's like, oh, but next year's class is actually even better than this. <laughs> apart, from, apart from last year, we all knew that was guff beforehand. <laughs> but but like that's the, 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 the range of outcomes for the Bears here, whereby Justin Fields is not great, but you still finish with like the 18th pick or something. And the Panthers win the NFC South with the rookie quarterback. That's like the, okay, that that's bad. And, you know, you're then not in a great spot. But that's surely less likely than 
even the high end, which is like two top 10 picks. Jamie, the Giants picked up Darren Waller, third round pick in the 2023. Are you quite happy with that pickup? Yeah, I thought it was a good move. The, <coughs> they had to look at the receivers that were in free agency and the receivers that are maybe being touted about um, for trades and decided that a tight end was a far more attractive option. Um, I thought they got fairly good value, but obviously they've got to keep them healthy because a couple of years since we've seen his proper top-end production. But uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, Dable and Kafka can do with him. Uh, do you think this is a move to a more too tight end approach where you've got Engram and uh, Waller? Impressive. Um, Ingram's been in Jacksonville. It's not Ingram at all, is it? Yeah, I'm not. It's not the name I'm looking for at all. Who's Bellinger? Who had a good first year? Um, Bellinger had a decent um, first year, but I I don't think they they see him as a you know a a guy that they can really really lean on. I think he's situational. I've lost count of the amount of um, wide receivers that they've picked up on um, cheap one-year deals. They're all kind uh, of the same player as well. They're okay. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, they're they're extremely fast. And <laughs> other than that, they can do some other things. Um, but they're basically just picking up really, really fast um, <laughs> players who uh, are not, first choice receivers um anywhere else. Um I think I think they now have eight wide receivers um in the group and only two of them are actually contracted past next season. If if you include um, like all the kind of probably practice squad guys, like basically just the people that finish the roster, according to the our lads depth chart right now, there's 13 wide receivers there. 13 wide receivers. <laughs> and and they make for a fascinating um, 100 meter dash between them. Um, but how many of them are actually on that roster come the start of the season? Um, obviously, they had, you know, they had difficulty keeping guys healthy. We're not really sure what Nick um, Sterling Shepherd's going to be in. Um, Wendell Robinson is almost certainly not going to be back for the. Um, start of the regular season so um, they're just keeping their options open and I still wouldn't be surprised if they, they went wide receiver with their with their first pick in the draft as well So I, I like the receivers in this draft class as well Like I don't Jackson Smith and Jigba I don't think will be there but the other guys like Addison and Quinton Johnson could be the only issue I would have for the Giants if the one they wind up with and the others could go before them is Zay Flowers then that's your fast guy who does some other things okay, but that's it's the same guy they've just they've just signed three of. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think they, I think they love him as well. I think yeah, I could absolutely. It, see them. it is though. Like if you look at the if you look at the Bills offense that Dable had, outside of Diggs, who is that kind of kind of do all type guy, it is what he likes to build the rest around, like Isaiah McKenzie, John Brown, uh, Gabriel Davis, like that. He likes guys that can run fast in a straight line. <laughs> Try and catch something downfield. Uh, Paul, another trade that took place that was quite high octane, high value. Jalen Ramsey goes to the Miami Dolphins in exchange for Hunter Long, a tight end that everyone went, sorry, who? Um, and a 2023 20, third round pick. Um, you know, pretty much deemed that the Dolphins came out on top as it seems that the Rams are shipping players. But it's it's a great player, very capable player, but another mouthy player in Florida. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just what Miami needs is another mouthy athlete. So I, 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 I don't know. You know, you talk about who wins these trades. I mean, we, we can only speculate. I mean, I, as much as I don't like him as a player, I think Miami do do all right out of this. Um, I think if you're a Rams fan, you've got to be slightly concerned because having won it, it just looks like they don't care. Um, and I, I think, haven't, haven't won it, though. Like, that's the, that's what? you know, like... Oh, oh no, we're we're terrible for a couple of years here as we rebuild. I can't believe I've got to think back a whole two seasons till we last one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but some fan bases accept that and others don't like it. That that, that which is the point that I that, that I was trying to make. So good, the good news is the Rams fans can just stay in the same stadium and support the Chargers for a couple of years. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad idea. No, I mean, I I think with the, you, you you talked about the Panthers and the Bears, who's won that? You know, I think the Bears might have edged it, but arguably both went out of that. I don't see how this is a great win for the Rams at all. No, I think just getting rid of a player that doesn't want to be there, he clearly wants away um, contract as well. Like get rid of yeah, the, and, and they'll do this probably with a few players. Get rid of some contracts. Yeah. I, the the problem for them is they're probably not going to be bad enough if Stafford plays the full season next year. So like I, I I think the Rams would love to come out of this year with the first overall pick as things stand right now. They know they're not going to go at the Super Bowl or anything like that. I think they'd love to finish this season with the first overall pick. They're probably not that bad. Yeah. It, it, the thing that's interesting for me is we talked earlier on about the Niners not valuing cornerbacks. It's fascinating to me that the coaches coming out of the skill out of the Shanahan tree recently seem to be very high on their cornerbacks. Um, you know, obviously McDaniel's now has Xavier uh, Xavier Howard and uh, Jalen Ramsey is very aware of what he's capable of. Uh, Sauce Gardner obviously up at the Jets will be interesting to see what D'Amico Ryan's influence does for the defensive side of things in Houston as well. But, you know, the, the Niners don't value cornerbacks, but those coaches certainly seem to do. Um, it's because they've been in San Francisco watching their seasons end at the hand of not having <laughs> good cornerbacks. Someone oh, tell oh, Kyle. What's, what's, at, at the podium at the Combine, when they ask what's the one thing you'll take from Kyle Shanahan and they wax lyrical about his preparation and all this stuff and then under their breath, they're like, I, and also I'm going to be on a team that draft and signs cornerbacks. <laughs> Just to sum up the last few other significant moves that we've not talked about yet, sticking with the cornerbacks, what seems like a, a great pickup by the Cowboys to get Stefan Gilmore for a 2023 fifth round pick. That's a, a tremendous bit of business for them, I think. The, the Cowboys then went back out, got Brandon Cooks and $6 million in cash, which is an unusual thing to see money swapped around. But this is one of the few times it's been done. The Texans get a fifth round 23 pick and a sixth round pick next year. Uh, the Cleveland Browns got Elijah Moore at wide receiver because obviously the Jets have bought a bunch of new other ones in. Um, they basically got a second round, sorry, they got Elijah Moore in a third round 74th overall for the 2023rd, um, 2023, sorry, 42nd pick overall in the second round. So that's something. Um, I think that oh, Zane Gonzalez, the Niners have got a new kicker. Zane Gonzalez has come in. We've exchanged late round picks in the 2025 draft. Zane, fascinating Zane, one. Zane Gonzalez is the reason why I don't have strong draft takes anymore because I was <laughs> absolutely confident. His, I think it was the first or second season we graded college football. And all he did all year was just boom, 50 plus yard field goals. And it was after 
uh, the Bucks had drafted Roberto Guayo in the second round. And I very confident, confidently proclaimed that Gonzalez should go in the third round. He would be great. He would be up there with the best kickers in the NFL. It's never really happened. No. Thankfully, he's a kicker, so no one really remembers it now that I've reminded folks. <laughs> okay, um, some other business we need to do. Um, we do need to, because we've been going for an hour now. Um, the We did a competition on Twitter where we asked uh, for people to suggest, on the back of Robbie Anderson changing his first name to Chosen, if you could change the first name of any any NFL player, what would you pick and what would you change it to? So we had a whole bunch of replies here. I'm not going to go through them all, but I'm going to give you some of my favorites. Uh, and then I'm going to give you a couple and I'd like you guys to pick the winner. So um, notable mention goes to Andrew Wyatt. He would change Trevor Pepper's first name to either Chili Pepper or Salton Pepper. Um there, Lawrence C would change Cooper Cup to Coffee Cup. Uh, Callum Aykroyd would change Lil Jordan Humphrey to Big Jordan Humphrey now that he's an adult. Um, <laughs> Brendan Hurst would change Smoke Monday to I Hate Monday. Um, and Bob Aguilar would change uh, Patrick Mahomes to Pog Mahomes. Which uh, obviously maybe Bob Aguilar should change his name. That's the takeaway I'm taking from these so far. <laughs> um, there's one other suggestion there uh, for Mahomes. It should be changed to Sherlock Mahomes, which was also pretty good. Right. But the, the ones that I'm going to give you is my top three. I'm not going to say who gave them. Uh, someone has put forward Chippy Sauce Gardner. Um. Sorry, that was one of your top three. That's one of the top three. Um, I'm also going to put forward uh, Stramarshawn Lynch, which obviously is Stramarshawn Lynch, which I thought had to get notable because it's ours. And then the last one I'll put forward is Lewinsky Loves Clinton Dix. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna, the one I'm, I'm going to suggest in 2023. That's maybe not one of your top three, Cameron. My vote's going to go for the Stramash, Stramash one. Stramash on, Stramash on links. When do we have guess? I, I did like little Jordan Humphreys. Good to big Jordan Humphreys. I thought I, that was I did, I did also like that as well. That, right, okay. that to me was good. I like that one. If, if, if there's another one there that you want to throw in that I didn't put forward as my top three, that's fine. Jamie, any contribution to this? And thanks, everyone, for, for, for trying. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's the Simpsons meme. The thanks you tried, Kate, getting chopped in the bed. Someone's going to win, though. Um. Yeah, someone's got to win, right? If you, uh, do you know what? Because he's managed to get our name into it, uh, I'm going to give it to Stramash on Lynch. Yes. Um. So, congratulations to Mark Locker. Uh, you're the winner. You win a bottle of Loch Lomond Stramash whiskey. We'll reach out to you to get that sorted. Now, there's a wee bit of a backlog. I have not been on top of my admin. There's a few winners that still need to get their bottle. If you're listening to this and you won a bottle towards the end of the season, I apologise. Towards the end of the mad, season. It's, it's been it's, a mad it's couple April of months. Fool's Day. It's been a mad it's couple of months. Towards the end of the season. My admin is poor. Uh, I will get on top of it. We'll get it sorted soon. So you will get those bottles in April, I promise you. Um, 
So, yes. Okay, right. Uh, the one other thing to talk about before we get into any other news, you may have seen that we had a visit out to Top Golf. Paul, as winner of both games, you can tell us what the experience was like. Well, two two things are true here. One, I did win, and two, I was highly embarrassed because Jamie was the only one of us that could actually hit a golf ball. Um, and he just kept missing the target, much to, I think, his disbelief in mine. Uh, but he, I mean, he, he melted the damn ball. Uh, it was quite funny. I think Ian Stephen had some of, some of the best shots going. Some some of them were going five, six yards, um, you know, which was great. I'll tell you what, it was a great night. I've played top golf in the States delighted it's in the UK. It's utterly brilliant way to spend the night with your mates. The food was excellent, the drinks were excellent, the service and the staff were brilliant. I think we just had a good old laugh. It was great. I'd, I'd never been before and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I'm not remotely good at golf. Uh, it's like I like the fact that it's kind of set up for you don't need to have like full swings or anything like that. You can just mess around. I like I'll I'll be back multiple times. I did, I, the food, food with the um, tater tots that I got as my adjusted side on my burger were tremendous. The tater tots, I've just got, it's absolutely brilliant. I've thought about them more than once since I've been away. <laughs> Jamie, as the actual golfer of the group, thoughts from you? As the actual golfer of the group, I should have upgraded to tater tots. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know what? I've already been planning going back with it with other guys, and like I've made such a big selling point of the fact is like it doesn't matter if you catch every single shot out of the out of the nails. Um, as frustrating as I found it, I still <laughs> enjoyed it so much, <laughs> and like just trying to trying to angle it so that the shots that I was hitting were actually going to score points. It was. Um, it was it was it was a great night. Uh, my first experience of it as well, having heard a lot about it, um, and yeah, I'm already plotting when I'm going to be going back again. And I, I, I just want to echo it. I think to Paul, I've played it in the states as well. I have played it in London. The ones down south were a, were good, but a bit of a disappointment because it wasn't anything like the American experience. Whereas I felt the Glasgow one was pretty damn the exact same as the American experience. Obviously, your beer choices are slightly different um, and what have you, but, you know, it is a, the American facility lifted and plonked in Scotland. I thought it was great. Three stories high. It had all the pumping music. It had the the high-definition flat screens. There was sport the, going. The what music? Sorry. Pumping. Pumping beats. <laughs> um, it was a, a, a really good night out. Not that expensive either. Um, if the especially if there's a good group of you, we were there for two hours. The one thing I will say is those two hours flew by. Genuinely, we only got through two games in two hours. Um, you could have done it quicker. We were obviously having a bit of chit chat in between and stuff like that. But um, honestly, the time just disappears on you. And I, if I could make one recommendation to anyone going, so probably the best part of the actual golfing part was we got to the end of our two hours and we didn't think we were quite going to finish the second game in time. So we then basically did the last round as a speed round where you had to hit your final five shots quick, 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 quick. That was far more entertaining than actually taking time to think about your shot. (laughs) Go, if you play a game, play at least one full round whereby you and your mates do five shots each really quickly before moving on to the next round and you'll probably get through it in about 25 minutes and it'll be great fun. 
we lost we lost Cameron. Yeah, he, he's not quite uh, functioning as he should. Cameron, this is oh, this oh. is Cameron. This is Cameron who, for the record, told us at the start of this he'd moved downstairs for the podcast because the last couple of times he'd noticed it was kind of cutting out a wee bit on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's our version of Max Headroom at the moment, and he's a way to get my trophy for winning top golf. Couple of things before we go. Hopefully, we will get Cameron back. Jamie, you're a big fan of the number changes that are coming up in the NFL. Zero can be worn. Silly, silly, silly. Silly, silly, silly. Anyone who chooses zero is a big silly nincompoop. It looked good in college, though. There are, there are college players who have looked pretty cool wearing nah, zero. No, they haven't. They have. If I, if, I, if, I, if I see a college game on and I see someone wearing number zero and they're, and they're quite heavily involved, I switch it off. <laughs> and Gordon, the other thing that has been talked about that's coming out of the owners' meeting is that Amazon appear to be pushing via the NFL commissioner for some flexible picks for Thursday night football, which has been met with horror uh, from many of the people. Uh, yeah, I mean, the NFL cares a lot about player safety, but uh, you can now play Thursday night football twice a season. And at some point, you might be able to flex in, which is great. JJ Watt had a really good take on this, which was, one, it's not about player safety. Um, you know, The NFL can't say they're about player safety when they're going to do something like this. And two, uh, the impact it has on fans. Who's who's paying for a fan that books a trip? And yeah. you know, we, there's companies here that people have used before, like MVP Travel, I think they're called, who you you travel over and they book the whole itinerary for you. You book that and your team gets moved from Sunday to Thursday and you can't go to the game. That's ruined. So the the flex thing for me just wouldn't happen at all. I'd flex from a Sunday afternoon to an evening, fine. But we should not be moving games days and teams shouldn't be playing multiple times on Thursdays. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'd scrap Thursday night games altogether, but that ain't going to happen. I could understand them when they were trying to promote the NFL network, but this has just become a cash cow uh, to sell them to Amazon, who understandably, from their point of view, with the money they're putting in, want to get the best possible outcome. But I just hope it's not something that, that gets agreed on at the end of the day. We shall see. Well, that is it for Smash, the NFL Scotland podcast. Cameron has not been able to return, so we can say anything we like about it because he'd have to listen all the way to the end to see what we said. But we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with more news from the NFL as we build up to the draft. But for Cameron, for Jamie, for Gordon and myself, Paul, thanks for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>